let's see here. How do I do this? Welcome to Scrolling, episode <laughs> one nineteen. I'm Cat. Joining me as always, Davy Starjumper. Happy to be here. <laughs> How's it going, man? Happy to be here. Hey, I'm happy to have you here. I'm also happy to be here. We've been doing some scrolling here mm-hmm, lately. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Have we ever like explained the origin of the show title of the of the name of the show on on the podcast before? It's it's just before we ever started pl- doing the podcast, we were just playing ESO all the time, and that's yep. just how we would say it, right? Like, yeah. hey, you're going to be doing some scrolling you tonight. S- you're going to be scrolling tonight. You scrolling? Yeah. Oh heck, yeah. you know it. I'll be scrolling. Anyway, lots of stuff to discuss today. The public test server is up, uh, version nine point three point zero and point one. So weeks one and two have gone up. We're really just going to be focusing on the week one notes today because uh, nothing really happened in week two. So this is for the Scions of Ithelia DLC coming up, I don't know, probably like five weeks away, like mid-March, uh, March March 11th on PC. March 11th. Two weeks later for the consoles. So um, this is a, a typical Q1 dungeon pack, getting two new dungeons. We have Oathsworn Pit in the Reach, and we have Bedlam Vale in Rothgar. Those are the two new dungeons. I don't know, it's, it's a very typical... DLC, right? You get all the usual rewards and mm-hmm. cosmetics and titles and that kind of stuff. Uh, there is a new skin for completing both dungeons in veteran mode. Uh, they don't say it has to be hard mode. You just have to complete them both on veteran and you get the skin. I don't know what the skin looks like. No idea. Probably ugly. The, these dungeon skins are always ugly. <laughs> hey, but it's a new skin. You can add it to the yeah. collection. Hey, yeah. And now, you know, with the heavy attack. Sork builds and the Arcanists and everything like PVE is easy these days. You know, simply mm-hmm. completing these things on veteran is that's going to be no problem. I think for a lot of people. Okay, so yeah, we you get all that stuff, but then of course the main draw for the dungeons is uh, there's a bunch of new armor sets, right? There's like eight new armor sets if you if if you include the the monster sets, and then there's also three new uh, rewards for the worthy sets plus a new mythic. So there's a, there's a lot of stuff to discuss here. It's going to be a pretty long episode probably, so we're not going to get into the full list. Mm-hmm, However, mm-hmm. if you want to hear if you want to hear my thoughts on the full list, you can go over to uh, patreon.com slash podcast, sign up to receive Stoon's Boon, uh, and that gets you access to the Booncast. And on the most recent episode, I, I went down the, the entire list and kind of gave my first impressions over all of those. So you can hear that there. What a what a wonderful transition you just had there. That was fantastic. <laughs> yeah. That was fantastic. Slid that right in there. Mm-hmm. Very nice. But for for today, just to make room for all the other stuff we have to talk about, me and Davius are just going to pick two armor sets to talk about a piece, uh, and then we'll move on. So, Davius, why don't you go first? What are the armor sets that you want to talk about? I'll go first. I'm I'm saving my favorite one for last. Favorite for last. But okay, I, the, the one I do want to talk about it did make my list. Uh, I'm going to talk about Tarnished Nightmare. This is a medium armor set. I wish I would remember which one of those dungeons it dropped from. Do you know which dungeon it is? Which of the two? No, I don't. Nah, I don't. Nah. I didn't really. I'm no not going to know that info for my picks either. Okay, so. <laughs> perfect. All right, we're in the same boat. Good, good. Uh, so it's a medium armor set. The two through four, real easy, just all critical chance. And then the five piece is basically when you deal critical damage to an enemy. Glass shards burst eight meters around them, and they also it also applies the sundered status effect, <clears throat> which deals additional physical damage, uh, and it also applies minor breach for four seconds. So basically, these glass shards burst, and then an eight meter AOE, uh, and then it can occur every eight seconds. I think this is going to be a pretty good set. I think there's a lot of crit builds right now, like that's kind of a popular thing to do, and I just 
I don't know what the tooltip per se will look like on this thing, but I'm thinking every eight seconds, just this big AOE burst, I think it's going to be pretty good. I don't know. For like an eight second cooldown, I feel like like Red Mountain is always what I think of. So like an eight second cooldown, I think that has like a eight, like around an eight to 10K mm-hmm. tooltip on that. So I bet it would have I just, something like that. I just like the, uh, the AOE aspect of it. Like an eight meters is, you know, that ain't nothing. Eight meters ain't nothing. So. Oh yeah, it's huge. No, it's really any any critical damage, so a dot tick or anything yep. could could yeah. do it, and it's just going to be an instant AOE burst for probably like eight eight to ten k damage tooltip mm. wise is probably what I would guess, and it's also going to apply minor breach to everyone that it hits. Yeah, and yeah, that definitely seems like very kind of a bread and butter good set to use. Yeah, so I I, I in the two through four given critical chances only helps it out. So I, I can see that being a I think that's going to be a pretty well used set. Yeah. Moving on to the to the one I'm most excited about here is uh, one of the new monster sets, uh, Anthelmere's Construct. So the one piece is just weapon and spell damage. Um, the two piece is attacking an enemy with a fully charged heavy attack. You throw an axe at your enemy, dealing physical damage and reducing their armor for five seconds. And then it basically has a 10 second cooldown. But if you go and pick up the axe, that's reduced to a five second cooldown. Love this. That's very cool. This is just cool. It's literally you're chunking an axe at your opponent and then you gotta go pick up the axe, which is it's almost like a flex. If you you throw this giant axe at them and then you get running right up in front of them, let me grab this, <laughs> turn around, throw it right back at them. So uh I've told you this, like I'm I'm gonna find a way to either make a build for this set or this will find a way on one of my current builds. I'm uh, and then you logged on to PTS, and so we could see kind of the animation, and pretty good animation. I thought it was pretty great. My takeaways from your testing was animation, very cool, approved, and it's very easy to pick up the axe. Like, you don't have to get right on top of it. It's kind of you go anywhere near it, and that counts and reduces the cooldown. Yeah, it seems seems like a pretty big radius where you get close to that thing and it gives it back to you. Yeah, it looks cool. The animation looks cool. The axe itself, like when it's like sticking in the ground there, looks really neat. Easy to proc. You do a fully charged heavy attack. My thought was you'd want to use it on a melee dual wield yep. build, ideally, because yeah. dual wield heavy attacks, you, it has to be a fully charged heavy attack. Yep. And those those heavy attacks are really fast, plus melee, you're already standing right there, so you pick it up right away. So you get that five second cooldown. And on, yeah, when we were testing testing last night, I had it on my main on, on old Betsy with her standard build. And the tooltip was like around 11K, something yeah. like that, when I was all buffed up. Very great tooltip. Pretty tip. good. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm already pumped for this. I'm, I'm going to get this. I'm going to start trying to use this like day one. This is going to be a lot of fun, I think. I think the armor reduction, I want to say, was like 1,000 something. It wasn't like an outrageous amount, but still take that. Yeah. It, I mean, it, you know, just a little bit extra. And the part that I really like is that, you know, it was a high tooltip, but that's also comboed with your heavy attack. So... The heavy attack comboed yep. with the axe is uh, it's pretty potent. I think it's going to be physical damage, so it uh, it could apply minor breach as well for even more penetration. Yep. Absolutely, yeah, that's a good monster set. Yeah, plus it looks cool. It looks cool. That's that's my favorite part. Those are my two sets right there. Those are my two. All right, my two sets. First one I have is Oak Father's Retribution. How dare it's a light you? Light armor pick set. This one. How dare you? 
Yeah, I'm coming for you, Davis. Yeah. This is a light armor set. It's one of the dungeon sets. Yeah, same thing. I don't I don't remember which dungeon it came from, but it is um the two the, the two through fours are weapon and spell damage all the way down. And then the five piece is you gain fi- uh 449 offensive penetration against enemies for each major buff they have active, and you gain 20 weapon and spell damage against enemies for each minor buff they have active. Hmm. It's a really interesting one. This is the one that I think I'm most interested in getting my hands on. And I think I'm already planning to put this probably on my mag DK and maybe even another build or two. I think this is going to be a, a go-to bread and butter DPS set for, you know, for PVP builds. Actually, I think this is one of the, now that I think about it, I think this is one of the PVP sets, the rewards for the worthy sets. Yeah, okay. I think it is. Okay. That makes me even more concerned. <laughs> even <laughs> yeah. easier to attain. But, uh, I mean, so 449 penetration for every major buff they have and 20 weapon and spell damage for every minor buff they have. So, I mean, you think about the major buffs people have in their builds. I mean, you know, you got your major damage buff, mm-hmm. major crit buff, armor buff, uh, probably have major evasion, major expedition. You get three major recovery buffs from your potions. Yep. You know, there's things like major vitality, major berserk, major mending. There's, there's all kinds of major buffs out there. Plus the miners, you know, minor force, minor reserve, minor expedition, mending, vitality, toughness, Yep. you know, plus the minor recoveries. I mean, it all adds up so fast. And what I like about it is like the better build you're going up against, the more powerful this set is. Absolutely. Right? And then like the kind of the weaker build you're going up against, the, the less powerful this is. But in that case, they're probably going to be easy to kill anyway. So yeah. it's kind of okay. We were talking about this on the Discord. Um, we figure... On on the low like average, you're probably you can probably expect to have about 2k penetration and 200 weapon and spell damage against most targets. You know that that's kind of a low estimate, which is pretty good actually. Yeah. that's that's quite a bit. That's really 2k good. penetration, 200 weapon spell damage on top of a whole stack of weapon and spell damage for the two through fours. Mm-hmm. That's really nice. And then you know you'll 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 go up from there. The <clears throat> the really interesting thing, as the as the name of the set implies, Oak Father's Retribution, uh, Oak and Soul builds. What what does Ooh. Oak and Soul do? Yeah, this gives you a whole bunch of major minor buffs. Right? Yeah, you know the thing about that though is 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 because that's kind of like the thing is that you know the name of the set is implying like this is going to be extremely aggressive against an Oak and Soul build. But I mean, I, and I think this is the point you're making is it's. It, like yes, it's going to be great against Oakensole builds, but it's really good against any builds because any really good BG player is getting you know they're doing the same thing. They're getting all those buffs, and then their teammates are giving them buffs. So like, I I would oh, yeah. be curious. Like I would say the average really high level BG player is probably you know running around with the same amount of buffs as a, a player with Oakensole. Like, and so yes, like it's it's straight against Oakensole where they're just going to have those and it's going to be good. But it, 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 like you said, it's going to be good against all players. And like, there's nothing a player can do about it. You're not going to not put your buffs up. Like you have to have your buffs up. There's no, there's no option to not put your buffs. Yeah. Up. The, the counter is to have fewer buffs, but yeah. that's not good. Yeah. yeah. You, you can't do that. <laughs> like you, you, you know, yeah. you have to have your buffs. And so I agree with you. I think this is going to be a very effective set as it is right now. Like, Oakensole or non-Oakensole player, this is going to be, uh, this is going to be really good. Yeah, uh, Oakensole gives you five major buffs, eleven minor buffs, so that would be uh, twenty-two forty-five penetration and two twenty weapon and spell damage, which is like kind of the average you would normally have. But that's not counting. 
you know, Oakensole builds don't just get buffs from Oakensole, right? They got potions. They mm -hmm. uh, they mm -hmm. have major expedition, probably major evasion, minor resolve from vigor. You got dragon knights giving minor brutality. You have sorcerers giving, uh, or you have templars giving minor sorcery. Wardens giving minor toughness. You know, it's all adding on top of the Oakensole. Yep. It is going to be pretty nasty against those players. But you're right, it'll be nasty against a lot of people. Yeah. And it'll be nasty against the people you need it to be nasty against, I think, yes. is, the, is the real thing there. Very shots fired you pick in this set. How dare you? How dare <laughs> it's great. You? Oh, I love this set. This is such a cool idea for a set. It's just stats, you know, like you yep. got to It's not playing the game for you. You got to know what to do with it. Be a great front bar set, great uh, double bar set, very flexible. Really, really like it. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of a way of like, ensuring at least to some degree that fight your 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 1v1 fights will be kind of interesting you know if someone's oh, yeah. underpowered or whatever you're kind of coming down to their level a little bit yeah kind of neat and then the next set i have to talk about is one of the monster sets called the blind the blind so the one piece gives you a line of crit chance and then the two piece uh critically healing yourself or an ally grants them a hydroglass damage shield it absorbs up to 2692 damage for, 20, for, for 6 seconds, uh, and while the damage shield holds, and for 3 seconds after it ends, the target gains minor force. Whew. This set's been getting a lot of attention on our Discord. We've been talking a lot about this thing, and if they don't nerf this thing before it goes live, it's going to be very, very, very powerful. Yes. And probably both PvE and PvP, I think. Yeah, very good for both. Yeah, extremely good. So that damage shield, 2692 for, for six seconds, that's tiny, but there's no stated cooldown. So per, may, that could be a typo. Maybe they left that out. Maybe there is a cooldown. We, we tested it out. It was kind of hard to tell, but there doesn't seem to be a cooldown, which means this thing can just refresh again and again and again. Critically healing yourself or an ally is what procs it. So it could be a, a hot tick or something like that that does it. Yep. And so... 2692, which gets cut in half in PvP, so that's like 1350. But if it's refreshed, let's say you have a really high crit rate and like two or three hots running on you, you know, you could theoretically be refreshing that shield every single second. And in that case, a 1350 shield is pretty nice. If it's refreshing every second, it's shaving 1350 damage off of all incoming damage every second. Yeah. That's very, very good, actually, even in PvP. I think you made the best point with it just in. You know, think of a dot build. Like, think how many dots that just immediately negates. Yeah, it's like three dots right there. That's yeah. just, you know, you don't have to worry about. So that's really nice. And then on top of that, the the easy uptime on minor force for you and your whole group. This, there, it's, there's no <laughs> cooldown. So, you know, you're going to have permanent minor force for everybody in your group. I think that's really the, the main draw of the mm. set. Like, I think healers or support builds in general are, are immediately looking at, the, looking at this. Man, I can't talk right now. Uh, I think support builds are looking at this at this thing thinking like, wow, an easy way to apply minor force to my entire group. That's awesome. The shield's just kind of a nice bonus. You know, that's just kind of an extra. But I have a feeling they will nerf this thing. Uh, hopefully it's just a typo and they forgot to put the cooldown in the in the text there. I think maybe like a three second cooldown yeah. seems about right. Yeah. As it is right there, uh, as it's in the text right there, that uh, that seems overpowered. Yeah, if it, I think if it goes live like this, I mean, BGs and, and probably most of PBE, like you said, if you have a support build, you're putting on this monster set. Oh, yeah, I would say even like solo PBE, like arena builds and stuff like that, make good use of it. You know, defense and offensive benefits, great. 
Yeah. And like you said, the shield itself is fantastic with no cooldown, but and the the fact that the minor force almost comes as like an afterthought, like the minor force is fantastic to give that to your entire team that easily. Yeah, and there's not a lot of monster sets that kind of have universal appeal like that, you know, that you can put on almost any build and it's going to mm-hmm. be decent, like like a like a blood spawn or a or a Baylorg. The only thing would be if you already have minor force in your build, you know, that'd be the the turn yeah. off there. But otherwise, you know, I don't know. I feel like um like on my sorcerer, for example, like engine guardians, like the one good monster set that I can use, and there's really no other options. But like this maybe could work for a sorcerer, which. That doesn't count because they have minor force now with Dark Deal. I forgot about that. Dang it. <laughs> well, anyway, you get the idea. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's anyway, that's that's the blind. I think keep that on your radar. They might stoons it. They so might be we'll stoonsed. And then I'm kind of going to cheat. I have a third pick. I, I, I'm thinking of this uh, as a separate conversation from our picks here. We're going to talk about this new mythic. Uh, it's a necklace called the Torque of the Last Aeliad King. Baller name, first of all. Yes, fantastic. Of the man. last Alien King. I'm excited to talk this because I know you've you've dialed in on this with the numbers. You've really you've taken a good look at this, and I'm excited to talk about this because my I think when you initially read it, you're like, ah, no, like the the negative's too big. But you really dialed in, and and I think you're kind of bringing to light the potential power that this could that this can actually do. Yeah, it's not as bad as it seems, and I was the same way when I first saw. It, I was like. What ridiculous thing is this? No one wants to give up their armor, you know, their armor sets to to wear this thing. And you look at the forums, everyone's just like basically laughing at this thing. But, you know, these developers, as much as some people like to say they don't know what they're doing, they know what they're doing. They're, they're not going to throw something in there that's so obviously laughably yeah. bad, you yeah. know. So I was like, what's the deal? Let's let's dive into this thing and figure it out. So Torque of the Last Alien King, what this thing does, it disables all other item set bonuses. So all your set bonuses are disabled, but then it increases your damage done by 20%, reduces your damage taken by 20%, and increases your healing done by 20%. So yeah, you get those, those three 20% increases, uh, but none of your set piece bonuses work. Now your armor... You do still need armor, right? The, yep. the armor itself, like the the resistance that you get from your from your armor, still works. The the traits still work. The glyphs, the armor passives, all that stuff still works. So you still do need armor. It's just the the two, three, four piece and the five piece bonuses, the uh, the arena weapon special effect, all that stuff, you know, doesn't work. So is this thing any good or not? I kind of came up with a comparison here. Um, I I I wanted to compare it to a very very stat dense build. And the most stat-dense build I can think of is our friend Shoddy Magician, his, his healer build. It's a Rallying Cry front bar, Wretched Vitality back bar, the Ozazan monster set, Death Dealer's Fet, uh, Mythic Ring, and one trainee. So it's a gigantic ball of stats. It's probably the most stats <laughs> you can have in a build. So it's a perfect comparison for this thing, right? Does it add up? So I'm going to try my best to, to explain this here. So let's, let's just kind of hold that build in your mind for a second and set it to the side. So think about two through four piece bonuses, right? Like they're, they're all kind of standardized. Mm-hmm. Um, so we can, we can use that to kind of assume that like, according to the, to the combat design team, 129 weapon and spell damage is equivalent to 1487 penetration, which is equivalent to 657 crit chance, equivalent to 4% healing done, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Right? They all tie together. They all, they all tie together in one way or another. Yeah, they're all like 
equivalent to one another. So we we can use those two through four piece bonuses as sort of a like a conversion table to convert one stat into another, like in our minds. So what I'm doing is I'm using that sort of conversion table to take this this build of shoddies here and convert all of the set piece bonuses, every single set, whether it's, you know, recovery or crit or whatever it is, we're going to convert all of that into an, an equivalent amount of penetration. It's hypothetical, right? You can't actually do that in the game, but in our minds, we're going to convert all of those stats into an equivalent amount of penetration, uh, which would be about 40k penetration, which would come out to about a 60% damage increase. So 60% compared to the 20 plus 20 plus 20 that you get from the mythic here, mm -hmm. you know, it definitely, you know, it's comparable. There's a comparable amount of value there. So it, it does, it's not exactly that clear cut. So uh, I think the, the death dealer build is actually about 10% stronger. If you take that, that 40 K penetration and you start converting it back into like, okay, I want that 20% healing done. And I want that 20% damage mitigation. Then you're still left with like, like 30% damage output in that case. So that's like 10% more than what you would have with this mythic here. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I, I could have flawed math there, but I'm thinking like the death dealer setup is probably about 10% more powerful than if you're using this Aeliad King mythic, but still 10% is not a ton, Yeah, you know, like, and that's the most stat dense build in the entire game. Most people do not use this build. So I think most of the time you're going to be going up against people that have about a similar amount of value in their builds as you do if you're yeah. using this mythic. Well, and I think you also have to factor in like, this is one item. You farm this and you don't need to farm any other gear or any other sets. Yeah, or you don't need to build. Like you just have this one item and then just pick up any random, like, you know, as long as the armor's right and then you, nothing else matters. Like you don't even have, doesn't even have to match. Like you just pick up other, don't even have to be set pieces. So I think that kind of has to factor in a little bit too, is that once you have this, your, your build's done. Yeah. Brock, Red, Uncle Sam, KDMS was in here earlier. Good to see you guys. Thanks for joining us. So I think it, it's a cool idea for, <clears throat> it's a very cool idea for a mythic. I think it's, it's not as bad as it seems. I do think they need to adjust it. In my opinion, uh, it's giving you one offensive bonus and two defensive bonuses, right? You got the, the damage mitigation and the healing done. Mm -hmm. I would like to see them take away the damage mitigation and replace that with a, a stamina and magicka recovery boost. Like 20% yeah. like the others. Because the thing is, like, if you're wearing this thing, you're giving up a bunch of set piece bonuses. Like, think of a typical build. What kinds of bonuses are you giving up? It's, it's mostly offensive bonuses and recovery. It's very rarely going to be any kind of defensive bonus, right? Like healing done or, or resistance. Almost never, right? Yeah. So you're kind of gaining something there that, you, that you're, you, you, were, you never had in the first place. I mean, it's nice to have that extra resistance, but I think... Like when I tried to put a build together uh, with this, I tried to make a, a version of Betsy's build using this. And the the main thing that I was struggling with is I had to basically outside of this mythic, all of my investments had to go into sustain to even have a, a close to enough sustain to be you know functional. Yeah. And I don't need I don't need that damage mitigation. Like I get my damage mitigation from other sources. It's not mm. coming from my set piece bonuses. So I think if they can make that one change, if they could get rid of the 20% damage mitigation, make that a, a sustain bonus instead, then we have a very interesting mythic on our hands. And I would yeah. honestly farm this thing right away, start using it right away. 
because the the value is there. It just needs to be allocated differently. I think is 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 what needs to happen there. Yeah, I even would like it to be that twenty percent to apply to all three recoveries. Like throw health recovery in there too. Yeah, I think yeah. That, that would be a nice. Yeah, that would get that thing right in the the sweet spot. I think I agree with you on that. And heck, you might even just leave the resistance in in also and add the recoveries to it. Like this thing can't be used with proc sets. You have to kind of keep that in mind, you know, so that takes away a lot of, you know, proc sets are super powerful. The best sets in the game are proc sets, you know, so, you know, maybe having that extra stat density wouldn't be the worst thing for this thing. PVE applications. I don't know. I don't see many people getting excited about this thing in PVE, but I could maybe see it being okay in like an endless archive situation where you do need those defensive bonuses. But, Probably not going to see a lot of use there, I wouldn't think. Brock is asking, would health recovery do much since most people in PvP run vamp stage 3? Yeah, for those builds it wouldn't do much, but yeah. for the people who don't, it certainly does. Like, I actually don't run uh, Vampire on most of my builds anymore, and the health recovery on those builds is certainly uh, substantial, you know, because I have yeah. the Tristat potions, I have the Sithis, I have uh, 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 um, Sugar Skulls, you know. So yeah. It, it adds and, up. yeah, and I think health recovery is not near what it was, but it can it's it can still be something. It can be effective. Oh, it's, it's just, still good. Like yeah. on on my typical build that uses kind of my standard like build template or whatever. Like I'm usually in the ballpark of like twelve hundred or so health mm-hmm. recovery. I mean that's a pretty strong dot or or hot that's yeah. always going all the time. Yep, pretty absolutely. good. Absolutely. It will be exciting to see what they do with this thing because you know you can just sense like this is going to be the thing they tinker with as the 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 PTS weeks come. Like this is going to be the one that. There's always one that they tinker with quite a bit, and this would be my guess. This is the one they're going to play around with. Yeah, I really hope they help us out with recovery on this thing because that's really the one thing like that that keeps it that keeps me from being able to make a viable build without having that recovery. So if they do that, I'm I'm excited about this thing. Yeah. All right, so that's that's all the gear we're going to talk about. Let's move on. Um, so um, armor repair kits have all been unified. They're they're no more no longer level based. So any repair kit will will equally repair any piece of gear, no matter what you know level it is, level one, level CP one hundred and sixty, whatever. That's that's nice. pretty nice. Nice little yeah, it's actually there. really nice. Um, let's see here. Oh, and Cyrodiil repair kits also have been unified. So there's no longer like a keep repair kit or a siege repair kit or. They're no longer differentiated like that. It's just a Cyrodiil repair kit, and they work on everything. And what differentiates is now, like, like depending on what you're repairing, it takes a different number of those repair kits. Like, this might take one, this might take five, whatever. That change just makes too much sense, right? Like, that's, yeah. I, we don't even run Cyrodiil that much, but, like, I, I would imagine people that are in Cyrodiil are loving that change. That's going to be nice. You know, it's going to make it so much easier for, like, inventory management and just making sure you have the stuff you need to yeah. go out and wait, wage war and all that stuff. Yeah, that's very nice. Another really great thing for Cyrodiil people, siege weapons are now stackable in your inventory. Very, very nice. That's big time. Yeah, that's huge. Those things will clog up your inventory so fast. I may not instantly get rid of them now. (laughs) Yeah, for real. For real. They've also increased uh, undaunted key rewards for uh, a lot of the DLC dungeons. According to the notes, it seems like it's only the DLC dungeons uh, that are affected. So the base game dungeons, no change. But if you do the DLC dungeons, the number of keys uh, awarded varies 
depending on which dungeon you do and whether it was hard mode or I think some dungeons now have like multiple hard modes and they, they're kind of weird these days. So anywhere from one to four keys, um, depending on which DLC dungeon you, you do and, and how you do it. That's a great I change. think that's good. That's yeah. great. Yeah. And, and, and there needs to like anybody who's played the game long enough, like the vanilla dungeons to DLC, like there's just that massive difference. Like they're just, there's a big difference between those. So I, I like the idea of making the DLC dungeons give a little bit more. Like that just makes and too even, much sense. Um, even within the DLC, some are way easier than others. Yeah. So varying the, the, the rewards within those makes total sense. Absolutely. Like uh, you do Imperial City Prison, you know, that one's barely any different from like yeah. a vanilla dungeon these days, you know, but then some of those others like Scale Collar, whole different story. Oh, yeah. And then if you go ahead and do it on hard mode, you know, forget about it. <laughs> so, yeah, that's nice. That's some nice quality of life there. So here's the juicy stuff. Here we go. Combat and balance changes. This is going to be the bulk of our conversation here. Uh, here so the, the broad kind of thing that they focused on here is they're, they're overhauling status effects. Um, so um, the, the main thing is they say dot statuses are stronger than all the other statuses. So they're just trying to bring them all more in alignment with each other. So we'll just go down the list here. The burning status, they reduce the damage by 6%. And then they're going to use that value as a standard uh, for all the other status effects to, to compare to. Um, the chilled status, they increase that damage by 106%. Uh, remember, chilled status only, only deals uh, damage immediately, and there's no damage over time component to that. So it's just 106% increase, double the damage when it gets applied. Uh, the concussed status, uh, they increased its damage by 106% as well. It now deals an additional 15% damage to targets that have recently been concussed. I'm guessing it's probably within five seconds. So that, that's pretty yeah. cool. If you're concussing people multiple times in a yeah. row, it's doing more damage. Very cool. And uh, I assume it still applies minor vulnerability. They don't, they don't say that it doesn't. So The disease status, this one's pretty cool. They increase the damage by 88%. It now also deals... Uh, or yeah, it now also deals additional damage in a six meter radius around the target, applying minor defile to everyone it hits up to once every four seconds. That's really cool. A status effect having an AOE effect. Very cool. Very cool. I'm definitely going to be putting a disease status on uh, my Necromancer Despair's yeah. front bar. Despair's got to get this day one. I mean, an easy way to apply minor defile to. You know, everybody, that's awesome. That's really awesome. Just put a disease glyph. Glyphs have a really high chance to apply statuses anyway. You have AOE minor defile. That's great. Pumped about that. And then we have the hem hemorrhaging status. They reduce the damage by 58% per tick. So it's another one of the, one of the dot statuses. Uh, but now uh, it stacks up to three times, increasing its damage by 100% per stack. So they say this is going to result in about a 25% uh, damage increase when you have all three stacks, but it's going to be less damage if you don't have all three stacks, basically. It also no longer applies minor mangle, which is uh, it reduces your max health. No longer does that. That's basically a nerf. It does let, it's going to be doing yeah. less damage most of the time, I think, plus no more minor mangle. That's an indirect nerf to uh, rending slashes because that, that guaranteed applies uh, the hemorrhaging status. Uh, which means that's an indirect nerf to uh, Master's Dual Wield. 
because yeah. that, that applies to that ability. Uh, and there's other master dual wield stuff we'll get into a little later. Its days are numbered. Wonderful. Wonderful news. Yeah. Not mad about it. And we have the overcharge status, increase the damage by 106%, and it now instantly restore, restores 65 Magicka to its activator. And I assume it still applies the minor magic steal as well. Hmm. The poison status, reduce the damage by 30% per tick, reduce the duration to 4 seconds instead of 6 seconds, and the damage is now considered execute damage and deals up to 100% bonus damage to targets under 100% health. So as you get lower on health, more and more damage. I think that's, that's another, cool. yeah, another very cool change. Yeah, that's very cool. Sundered status, increase the damage by 106%, and it now grants 100 weapon and spell damage for four seconds. Very cool. That's pretty cool. Unique source of weapon and spell damage. Yeah. I, honestly, like, I love all of these changes. Like, status effects now are factored into your build. Like, it's... Yeah. The theme of your build, like the status effects you're doing now, are tied to your build. Like I think this yeah, is a great change. It's way more like meaningful choices here. Like oh, what yeah. statuses do I want in my build here? Like Despair is definitely going to be having a disease glyph on her front bar. Yep. Like there's there's going to be like if you're an execute build, you're going to want that poison status. Absolutely. Yeah, cool stuff. I like that. Yeah, I think they did a good job here. The dev comment, it, my interpretation here is. They basically wanted to make the instant damage statuses just as strong as the dot statuses. So they definitely did that. And they also wanted to differentiate the dot statuses from one another. So mission accomplished there. Um, I think the result of this is going to be Draugrkin's Grip is going to continue to be a very popular armor set along with uh, Force Pulse builds or any kind of status builds. Yeah. This is overall a gigantic buff to status effects. Yeah. So... Yeah, I think uh, I think status builds are already pretty popular. I think they'll become even more popular. Uh, Draugrkin, if you don't have it, I recommend farming it. If you have it, you know, hold on to it. <laughs> <laughs> keep keep using it. Yeah. So yeah, that's all the status effects stuff. Next thing we have here is major and minor vitality. They updated these buffs to increase healing received and damage shield strength by six and twelve percent, respectively rather than just increasing healing received by 8 and 16%. So a little bit of a nerf to it, but it applies to shields now, um, not just healing. And then major and minor defile basically is just the opposite of that. They updated those, de those debuffs uh, to decrease healing received and damage shield strength by 6 and 12%, rather than decreasing healing received and health recovery by 6 and 18%. So it applies to damage shields now. It no longer applies to health recovery. The defiles. So damage shields are becoming more and more of a thing yeah. every single patch, it seems. Yeah. You know? So definitely ways to, to counter those is a good thing, certainly. Normalizing damage shields, for sure. That is definitely what's happening. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I think this is like them saying like, hey, uh, get used to damage shields, guys. Yes. Not going anywhere. <laughs> Absolutely. We're getting into some class changes here. So for the Arcanist Fate Carver, that's the big beam cannon. Reduce the damage done by the base ability and its morphs by 7% per tick. And then the Pragmatic Fate Carver morph reduced the potency of the damage shield by 16%. So you have a damage shield while you're channeling that thing. So they, they weakened that thing. They lowered the damage. They nerfed it. They nerfed the beam. I'm okay with that. I am okay with that. Yeah, I feel like I feel neutral about it. Like I've tried using the beam. It's hard to use. So. 
I kind of feel like I don't mind it being strong because it is pretty hard to use, but at the same time, I never play an Arcanist, so it's inconsequential <laughs> to me. <laughs> you know, The beams are kind of annoying when you're on the receiving end, so yeah. no big deal. The Psychic Lesion passive reduced the status effect bonus to 55% instead of 75% to make up for the status effect buffs that are happening this update. That's a good change. Glad they thought about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wonder if that like Arcanist will be getting more, even more out of that passive now, regardless of that buff, though, you know, or that nerf. Yeah, that's the thing is that Arcanist might even be becoming even stronger, even with that nerf, based on how some good some of these changes are. Yeah. And then uh, the imperfect ring ability, they increase the radius of the base ability and the fulminating rune morph up to six meters instead of five. The rune break synergy is now six meters instead of five. And then the Rune of Displacement morph, they increase that morph to 10 meters instead of 8. That's the one that pulls everybody into the middle. Hmm. So, don't love that, but... That's it for Arcanist. Dragon Knights, the Combustion Passive now increases your damage done with Burning and Poisoned by 40% instead of 33%. Love it. That's big time based on the, the these changes, like... Yeah, that's, that's huge. That's it was fifty percent not that long ago. Like they're they've been kind of dialing yeah. into where they want this. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, the the passive now grants one thousand magicka and stamina whenever you apply burning or poisoned. Also love that. Yeah, that's great. Rather than right now, it it does magicka for burning and stamina for poisoned. Still has a three second cooldown. So basically, that means that this passive. It has the same potential value that it currently does, but it's just way easier to get that maximum value. Now, if you want to, you can just do nothing but poison damage, and you're getting both the Magicka and stamina return. Yeah. And vice versa. You could do nothing but fire damage, and you're, and you're getting both. Yep. That's nice. The dev said they just want DKs to have more flexibility with morph choices, so that's perfect. That's exactly what'll happen there. Yep, absolutely. Moving on to necromancers, we'll spend a little time on necromancers here. Some uh, some weird, interesting stuff. So blast bones, they reworked this ability and the stalking blast bones morph. So they re renamed the base ability to sacrificial bones. So that's the name of the base ability now. So that ability and the stalking blast bones morph, which has also been renamed, uh, now summon a, a skeleton that, after a delay jump to their owner and infuse them with power for 10 seconds, increasing your damage done with Gravelord abilities and damage over time effects by 15%. No longer requires a target to activate, but instead it requires you to be in combat. Which I don't really understand that, but okay. <laughs> so um, it's, a, it's a different kind of Blast Bone. Well, okay, let me get through the whole changes here and we'll, then we'll stop and talk about it. Yeah. Um, and then the Stalking Blast Bones morph, they renamed, re renamed that morph to Gravelord's Sacrifice. That extends the duration of that bonus uh, to 20 seconds and increases the damage done effect to 20%. Also allows your next corpse-consuming ability to treat you as a corpse. And then the Blighted Blast Bones morph, that's the Stamina morph, it's staying the same. It's not changing at all, except they are uh, they're reducing the Stamina cost a bit to make it easier to use if you're a Magicka build. But if you, if, you, if you want your good old Blast Bones that works the same as it always has, that morph is, is still that. So the dev comment 
my my interpretation is basically basically they want necromancers to have the option to have a simpler buff rotation where they're not having to summon a blast bones every three seconds. That's their goal with this. First of all, I, I want to say it's this is not a it's 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 a very powerful ability that they've given necromancers yeah. here. I want to say that right off the bat. You can definitely make a really good build with this thing. Um, so so it's it's a self blast bones thing, right? You you summon it. And it infuses itself to your to you rather than hitting an enemy, and it increases your Grave Lord abilities damage by twenty percent, or your damage over time effects by twenty percent. So th those don't have to be uh, Grave Lord abilities. So there are some criticisms about this. Okay, uh, and this is what I've read on the forums, and I share some of these criticisms myself. Main criticism I've seen is that you know necromancers necromancers have any number of completely dead abilities. Yeah, we could have put this this thing on. We had to we had to put it on the one good ability, right? We had to take away the one good ability to give necromancers this this new thing, rather than putting it on any number of their dead abilities. Yeah, and this is also the the uh, the morph that they chose to to reinvent is the morph of choice for most necromancers. It's the one that does more damage. Yeah. So you're so necromancers who want the old blast bones, they're left with the one that does less damage. Another criticism is necromancers, you know, they have this, okay, they have this thing that gives them extra dot damage. They also have a passive that gives them 10% extra dot damage, but they don't have any dots that they can really yeah. use in Still their class. No like, like, why are we making dots a thing when they don't have any class dots to use? Uh, I mean, you know, they technically have the tether and they have that mm -hmm. uh, uh, graveyard thing, but those aren't, you're not getting a lot out of those in PvP, yeah. really not. Not enough. Um, so, you know, you're, there are dots you can use, but those aren't class abilities. So you're, you're going to be forced to have a pretty generic build here to, to really get a lot out of this thing. Um, it also buffs your grave Lord abilities. Those aren't, you know, all dots, but aside from blast bones, most of those abilities are not great. Most necromancers do not want to use those abilities. Even with a 20% damage increase, they're probably not going to want to. So I think that's the thing is you're going to, if you're going to use this thing, you're going to end up being a generic dot build that uses very few actual class abilities yeah i think that's the biggest uh criticism there another really big piece of criticism is that you know for a while necromancers have been giving very clear very simple feedback about you know what's wrong with the class what needs to happen to to make them competitive with everyone else and it's very simple stuff you know mm -hmm. we don't need to be Re like the, the class functions just fine. You know, we don't need to be reinventing blast bones. You know, we just, you know, yeah. what we need, we need major sorcery. <laughs> we need major prophecy. That's what we need. You know, that's it. Like yeah. basic things, you know, and, and that feedback has been given time and time and time again. Like, what are we doing here? And we're going to talk about Nightblade here in just a minute, but just look at patch after patch after patch of how they treat Nightblade. It's like, we got Swiss engineers over there working on Nightblade. You know, every de every decision is so carefully thought out. You know, and it's like it's it's like a Nightblade main is over there making these decisions for them. You know, it's got to be a tiered system. New employees start at the Necro Theory Crafting, and then like long term <laughs> promoted employees, like Nightblades at the top. Yeah, you got yeah, you got the 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 creme de la creme. You know, with the Nightblade changes over there, and then the Necro stuff over here is just like, just random, just trying yeah. random stuff. I'll be honest, like the the 
my initial takeaway with these necro changes is I actually like the idea of this ability. I like the idea of taking an ability and making the morphs do two completely different things. So really, you can get a lot of flexibility out of one ability based on the morph you choose. Right. But like you said, the, the, the biggest problem with this is that this was the one ability they had that that was like, this one works. It was Necro had, well, you got your blast bones, but nothing else works. And that's the one that like they they started like that's the one they're changing. And and in addition to that is like I said, I really like this ability. I think it's very cool. I, I think it's a neat idea with the new morph. But you don't have any, like all these other dead abilities, none of them are like effective dots or none of them are like, oh, this pairs well with this. And so there just doesn't seem to be any internal synergy with this class right now. Yeah. And the changes they're making, I think that's the most confusing part is the changes they're making aren't helping that synergy. Like they're changes. And like I can understand the change of taking an ability and making it two different morphs, but it, it didn't help with the synergy of this build a lot you still the biggest problem with this build is you have to go outside the build to make the build any any sort of effectiveness and this change doesn't change that at all you're still going to have to go outside the build to make an effective build it just seems it is an odd choice yeah it's an odd choice and it's one that's like I don't know, a necromancer main didn't make this decision. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like no actual people who play necromancers were wanting this. Like they I know I'm a broken record, but all, all actual necromancers want is good buff coverage. That's yeah. all they really needed. And uh to see like this much effort put into just completely reinventing something that was like the one good thing they did have. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's I guess that's oh man, what are we doing? That's the strange thing to me. If they would make all those other changes, get the buff coverage taken under control. You know, redo some of those dead skills to make them effective, make some of them dots. Like, and then this change happens. Like, okay, now this makes sense. Like, I can see this, but it's like, this seems like it should have been like the last change to be made. And instead, we're starting with this. So, like, yeah, maybe there's more changes to come that will make this make more sense, but it's an odd starting point. Very much so. All of that being said, I am probably going to be using this on despair. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Love it. I think Uh, it's actually going to be really good for despair. And I will just for now after, you know, we talked a lot of crap just then uh, I am going to maybe speak in this thing's favor just momentarily. They, they said that their goal with this thing was to give necromancers the option to have a simpler rotation. So you're not having to summon, mm -hmm. summon blast bones all the time. And the thing is, if they had put this on a different ability, then that means you still have Blast Bones there, which means you still have to use it. Yep. Right? It's too good not to use if it's available. So if they do want to give you that option, then they have to take a, a morph of Blast Bones away to do that. You know, I, that makes sense. I get that. Yeah. Uh, and also, like I said, this is going to be good for Despair. You know, um, she's, she's a unique kind of build for sure. But one of the pain points of that build is uh, it's. It's very buff heavy. There's a lot of management of timers, like constantly just spinning a hundred plates all the time. This will help immensely with that. You know, I only have to cast blast bones once every 20 seconds instead of once every three seconds. Plus she's a dot build. She has a whole bunch of dots and you know, so that's exactly what that thing buffs everything by 20%. So buff to those. 
It's actually going to work really well for Despair, uh, but I'm not a Necromancer main. You know, I got a silly yeah. little Necro build that I play with, you know, once a month or so. The actual Necromancers out there, I don't think are very pleased with this at all, especially with the feedback that's been given and the, the obvious stuff that Necros need that's not this. Yeah. Well, and I, I think it's important to mention that, like, the Despair build's not like your. Like, very good build, but it's not like going out there to get a whole bunch of kills. It's not trying to finish yeah. off kills. And so, like, it works really it's well. Basically it's, a, it's basically a support build. Yeah, it's a support build that applies pressure. And this is perfect yeah. for that. It's going to be a little bit more pressure and still be able to do the support. Um, but even your build with with not having the, the regular Blast Bones, like, it's losing... It's losing kill potential, you know, kill secure. Yeah. And so losing burst. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's the thing for, for Necromains is that losing potentially their best burst ability and, and their, you know, it's kind of their, their combo finisher. I'm hoping we start seeing some more flying skulls out there though. Cause you know, it has that 50% special cat, like every third cast yeah. does 50% more damage and then another 20% on top of that with this thing, you know, yep. there could be something with that. Absolutely. So that's the Blast Bones thing. Also, the Death Knell passive uh, increases the Execute critical chance uh, to 10% per Gravelord ability slotted instead of 8%. And the Reanimate re ult, the Animate Blast Bones morph, now only spawns Blighted Blast Bones rather than whichever morph you've chosen since the other one's that Self Blast Bones thing. That's what's going on with Necromancer. Weird stuff. And next week is going to be week three of PTS. That's always when any kind of major adjustments are going to happen. So we'll see what happens with that. Could be some more stuff. Yep. Nightblades. We'll probably spend some time on Nightblades as well. And Sorcerers when they come up. There's, I'm telling you, there's some juicy stuff in here. <laughs> so uh, Incapacitating Strike, the Iconic Ultimate. They increase the damage done of the Enhanced Version. By 10%, I think that means the when you're over 120 ultimate, you do 10% more damage. Uh, and they extended the duration of its effects to 12 seconds instead of 8 seconds. <laughs> you know, NCAP needed a buff. Uh, yeah, good old NCAP. <laughs> the, the effects they're talking about there, if you're not aware, when you hit someone with NCAP, they take 20% more damage from you. So that's going to be for 12 seconds instead of 8 seconds now. <laughs> that's, they added Oof. 4 seconds of that. It's insane. Oof. It no longer grants Reeve for slotting. That's that like uh, sustain bonus mm -hmm. that, it, that it passively gives you. So when you have 120 or more ultimate, it's going to deal 10% more damage. Is that, is the, I guess the extended duration is also when you have 120 ultimate or more. That's not all the time. I'm looking at the wording now. I'm kind of realizing that now. So the extended duration happens when you have the enhanced version of the yeah. ultimate. But the enhanced okay. version is still only 120 ultimate. Like, yeah. And the grand scheme of things, that's a low cost ultimate. Yeah, I mean, I can see it happening with 12% or a 12 second duration. <laughs> and then the other morph, Soul Harvest, uh, the slotted bonus now persists through bar swap. And that is um, when you kill an enemy, you, get, you gain 10 ultimate. That's what that is. So uh, that's actually pretty cool. And that, that kind of makes this a decent back bar ultimate option you know you could just have it slotted back there and anytime you're killing someone it's giving you some extra ultimate on top of uh like combat frenzy and the fighters guild passive oh, yeah. that, those things also give you ultimate kind of nice yeah very good concealed weapon the main 
uh, melee spammable for the class. It it now this one is we got to pay attention to the wording here. It, it threw me. It, it kind of confused me at first. So this morph now deals 10% increased damage at all times and deals an additional 10% damage for 15 seconds after leaving stealth or invisibility rather than granting major berserk. So it no longer grants major berserk. Now let, me, let me just finish reading this. Uh, the, the minor expedition and the conditional requirement now persist through bar swap. And that conditional requirement is uh, that's the extra 10% damage after leaving stealth. So, currently on the live server, this thing, when you, when you hit somebody coming out of stealth, you get major berserk, which increases all damage done by 10%. Now, the ability itself has 10% increased damage. And when you come out of stealth, the ability itself does another 10% more damage. It's not applying to the rest of your damage at all. It's only concealed weapon is dealing 10% plus another 10% uh, extra damage there. I like the fact that the minor expedition is on both bars. That's really nice. Yeah. That is really nice. And minor expedition is a great buff just because it's, it's not, as, uh, not as popular, I feel like. It's not super common. Yeah. You know, it, it's not as easy to get in your build as like a major expedition. Yeah. Uh, the devs say this is based on feedback. Yeah, I don't. I don't really know how I feel about it, honestly. I mean, Nightblades are so incredibly powerful. I don't know if this is. I mean, it, it, it's a nerf, certainly. Yeah. Uh, but Incap has just got buffed, also. So. Yeah, that's the thing. Is it's like you know this is a nerf, and you can't have you know the other abilities aren't going to be getting the benefit of that major berserk. But this is still a really good spammable, and spammable wise, it like its damage is going to go up. So it's, it is a nerf, but it's still going to be a really good spammable. Uncle Sam says, wow, LOL. Nightblade's going to be rough next patch. Good thing. Not many people play them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Good thing. So rare. All right. So here's the debilitate dot Sam you were talking about. Uh, So this morph now increases the chance of applying the overcharge status by 15% rather than guaranteeing its application each tick. And they say that's because overcharge now does a lot more damage. So normally a dot would have 3% chance to apply a status effect. So this one has 15% chance uh, rather than it being guaranteed. So that's all there is to debilitate. So this one's a pretty big one. This next one here, siphoning strikes. Uh, This is a big change for Nightblades here. So siphoning strikes is the, um, that's their main sustain ability. That makes your like light and heavy attacks give you uh, extra Magicka or Stamina, depending on the morph, plus it heals you. So they've reinvented this ability. They've re- so their wording is they've reworked this ability and its morphs to be simpler to use while making their resource recovery more engaging. So, all right, let's get our, let's get our brains working here. Let's make sure we understand this thing. So when activated, the ability will now instantly drain 4,000 health to restore 2,000 Magicka and Stamina. So that's what it does when you activate it now. That's the only thing that happens when you cast the ability. It, it costs 4,000 health and gives you 2,000 Magicka and Stamina. So it's no, no longer like this buff timer that you have to keep up with. It's just an instant thing. And then when the ability is slotted on either bar, any damage you deal will heal you for 1250 health up to once every second. So remember, right now you have to do light and heavy attacks to yeah. get the heal. Now it's just going to be happening from any damage. 
So a dot tick, you know, anything you throw caltrops yeah. out there, whatever, you know, it's happening. Um, so that's really nice. A uh, twelve fifty heal over time. That's very very nice. And then the siphoning. So that's the base ability. The siphoning attacks morph now increases the resource restored to 20, 2,600 magicka and stamina. Whenever you cast it to, you know, you drain that 4,000 health, you, you get 2,600 of both now. And then whenever the heal activates, it also restores 200 magicka and stamina. So, again, wow. any damage done, a dot tick or anything at all, um, can heal you for 1250 health, and it will give you 200 magicka and stamina once per second. Doesn't rely on light attack weaving at all anymore. That's wild. Pretty wild. And then the leeching strikes morph. They increase that heal to eighteen hundred instead of twelve fifty, which that's actually the current value. It's eighteen hundred, but it relies on light attack weaving right now. You know. Mm -hmm. And then whenever the heal activates, it reduces the cost of your next leeching strikes cast by ten percent, stacking up to ten times. So it could be free. Yeah. Which if you know if you're a if you're a dot build, most likely will be free. Yeah, yeah. You throw a couple of dots out there, or I mean, I imagine a lot of brawler blades are going to be using this, so they're going to be up there just dishing out the damage constantly. Yeah, throw a caltrops down, and then just go through your rotation. And yeah, anytime you need to cast this thing, probably by the time you're thinking, oh, low on resources, time to cast leeching strikes. It's free by that time. You know, you've, you've built up the stacks by then. It's basically like a kind of a better dark deal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it really a, is. A it sorcerer's really is. tool to Nightblades here. But the devs say they wanted uh, this ability to be easier to use and less dependent on light attack weaving. I've always liked the fact that Nightblades were very dependent on, li on light attack weaving. I've always thought that's a, it's a unique mechanic of this game. You kind of have to master this thing in order to master this class. Uh, not really the case anymore, actually. No. And I feel like the 4,000 health cost is. It's on the low side. Yeah, it's, it's, it's next side. to, you know, it's next to nothing. Cause you got to think like just when it's slotted, you've got this extra heal. And so, you know, I, I just, yeah, like you're going to, you're almost, the, the ability itself is almost going to heal up the, the cost of it. Oh yeah. You'll, it, it'll be easy to, to use that and to not suffer too much from that health cost. I think that'll be just fine for, for people. The thing is, this ability already gives you a heal over time, but it requires that you be like aggressive to get it. You have to be light attack weaving to get that health return. So it rewards you for being aggressive. This rewards you for being passive. You know, throw some dots out yeah. there and then just kind of turtle up, and you're you're going to be kind of in good shape there. Very strong brawler blades. I think you know brawler blades have already been pretty popular. I think that's that popularity is going to grow a bit with this. Not that. You know, I mean, stealthy blades will take take advantage of this too, but it's very good for brawler blades, I think. Yeah. That's it for night blades. Next up is sorcerer. Going to be a lot to talk about for sorcerer as well. <laughs> <laughs> I told you guys, it's a long episode here. Got a lot going on. A lot going on. All right, sorcerer. So the in case ability, the the ability that nobody uses, this ability and its morphs now apply major maim to enemies for ten seconds. In addition to immobilizing them, uh, they remove the Magicka refund, and they say the Major Maim does not require targets to be immobilized. So if they're, you know, immune to being immobilized, they'll still get that Major Maim if they're in that area. If you've never used this ability before, it's basically like a Magicka bombard. 
It's like a sorcerer's version of my, it's like an AOE root ability is what it does essentially. So now it's also going to give major maim to anyone that's in the area. Uh, that's the base ability. And then the restraining prison morph, they renamed that morph to Vibrant Shroud. And uh, it now heals allies in the area with the same healing potency of Blessing of Protection. That's the rest of staff burst heal. Rather than attempting to immobilize enemies. So this morph is not a root anymore. It's an AoE burst heal now. This morph will continue to apply Major Maim to enemies in the area. And it will also apply Minor Vitality to allies who were healed for 10 seconds. So here it is. This is the burst heal that, that isn't the matriarch that Sorks have been asking for. They they finally got it. Yeah, asking for it for a long time. Yeah, you don't have to slot the matriarch, you know, which requires two bar slots. This is a a burst heal that's balanced against you new know, all other burst heals in the game. It's a, it's got that same potency. You can just put it on one bar slot and you can heal other people with it. Uh I logged on the PTS. I I tested it out. It's the same animation except uh they added some kind of like yellowy color to it. Uh, but it basically it's the same animation as it's always been. As far as the, like, would you want to use this versus the matriarch? You know, there, there really are pros and cons to both. I think a lot of people still will use the matriarch, but this is another, this is just another option, a really good option. What's nice about the matriarch is it's that body block. Uh, yeah. Plus it's omnidirectional. That's, that's the big thing about matriarch is, like, if you notice someone's health is getting low, you don't necessarily need to know where they are. You can just kind of spam the matriarch and it'll catch them because it's like a big circle that it's healing in. Uh, whereas this thing, you you kind of have to be looking at the person. Definitely, you know, options. It, it definitely creates more options. Yes, it's great. And then the Shattering Prison Morph, they re renamed that morph to Shattering Spines. The damage now happens on its own four-second timer rather than when the immobilization ends. They say the damage applies even if the targets are immune to immobilize, and they increase the damage of this morph by 10%. This is a change that I think a lot of people have overlooked in these patch notes. It's a small thing, but I think it could potentially actually be pretty impactful. The fact that the damage is now on its own four-second timer because the way this ability works right now is uh, you immobilize somebody, and then when that immobilize ends, that's when the damage happens. So when they dodge out of it or cast race against time or when it naturally ends or whatever, that's when the damage happens. So you can't really predict that damage. With this, you know it's exactly four seconds every single time. And whether they're rooted or not, you're putting that on them. It's basically like another haunting curse that yeah. you have that you're putting on them it, it, it and like haunting curse i don't think it can be dodged it's actually a really awesome combo opener because you're you're rooting them to start with plus you're putting a delayed burst on them they're going to be dodging out of that root and at that time you can put haunting curse on them because it's not dodgeable yep and now you have two delayed bursts haunting curse has a 3.5 second timer this thing has a four second timer so those things are going to go off right next to each other that's a perfect just one two combo opener right there you put your Endless Fury on them, you start spamming your spammable, and then, you know, it's going to be a good night. It's going to be a lot of damage right there. Yeah, that's the thing, is it, it I feel like two things on this. One, I, I do agree with you. I think it's completely being overlooked. One, because the the new heal has been asked for for so long that that's where all the focus is. But 
you know, Mage's Wrath and, and Curse has already been a, an unbelievable one-two combo, and now it's you're adding a third piece to that combo, I feel like. Yeah, and it's it's weird because this was already an option, but it's like the fact that you couldn't really predict when that damage was going to happen made it not really usable for the damage anyway. You just use it for the root. But I tested this out. It actually works really well. It's a really great way to do a combo. Uh, it does have a new visual effect associated with that damage. The damage is like two-thirds the strength of a Haunting Curse is what it seems like to me. So it's not quite as strong as Haunting Curse, but I mean, stacked on top of a curse, it's a lot of damage. So I don't know. I, don't, I actually don't think I will end up using this. I think I'll probably use the Burst Heal in the end. But just it's just a cool option. I just wanted to point that out. Yeah. And then uh, Conjured Ward, the, the class damage shield. Uh, this ability and the Hardened Ward morph will now heal you for 15% of your max health or Magicka, whichever is higher, uh, if no pets were shielded by the abilities. So you can't have any pets if you want that heal. So if uh, you're a typical PvP build these days, you have 40k health, that would be about a 6k heal, tooltip-wise. Uh, the damage shield would be, probably be around 9k. So a 9k sh shield with a 6k heal at the same time, that's very juicy. Yeah. Very, very juicy. That's a lot. Um, testing this out, I realized I cannot use this for my build because I use the Engine Guardian monster set, and it will, it, it'll get that shield, so you won't get the heal if you're doing that. But yeah, it's what's funny is, yeah, Sorcerer's finally got their burst heal that isn't the Matriarch, but... Actually, probably none of them are going to use it because this this uh, this shield buff is so super juicy. <laughs> I mean, that's going to make it compete with the Arcanist shield. It works differently, you know, uh, but I yeah. think a similar amount of value is happening there. I mean, you know, a 9k shield with a 16k heal, that's a 15k heal right there. If you count the shield as a heal, you know, I yeah. mean, that's very strong. The Regenerative Ward Morph now also heals you for 10% of your max health uh, or Magicka, regardless of if a pet was affected or not. So then the Pet Sorks actually can benefit from that one and get the heal from that one, but for a lesser amount. Still would be good, though. 10%. Still yeah. would be like a 4,000 heal. Still really good. And the thing about that is, is that if you have the Matriarch out, like you have this and the Matriarch, so... Oh, yeah. I didn't even really think about that, but you're right. Yeah, you got the combo of the two, so it's, I mean, some really good um, defensive uh, setup right there. Yeah, that's, the the shield change is actually the thing most Sorks are excited about. There's, you know, other cool stuff happening, but that's, it's it's, it's funny that, I, I don't know, to me it's just very amusing that, oh sweet, we finally got our burst heal, oh, but I'm actually just going to keep using the shield I'll, because they both that too. <laughs> I'll keep using the thing we've always used because it's, it's getting a huge buff. Yeah. Daedric Mines, the Daedric Minefield Morph. A lot of renaming this time. They renamed this one to Daedric Refuge. And the mines are now wards that activate when you or an ally walk over them, granting them a damage shield for six seconds rather than rooting and damaging enemies. So this is a friendly ability now. You still put mines on the ground, but when you or allies walk over them, it gives you a, a damage shield. I tested it out. Um, it's the same visual effect, except it's it's yellow instead of purple now. So, and the shields look kind of cool. Allies can only be affected by the wards once every two seconds to prevent situations where one ally could take multiple shields immediately. 
and the shield scale with your max magicka or stamina and is and is capped at 43% of the target's max health. It's a weird one. I don't know. I just feel like it's going to be a weird skill to use. I I, yeah. I don't know if Sorks are actually going to use this thing like your allies have to run over here and stand on this thing to get the shield and then they can run back into the action. Maybe there's some viability um, in in like PvE more so than PvP. Yeah, maybe so. I think the shield, the the mines have to like arm themselves. It takes like a, a second or two before you can actually get the shield. So it's not like you can kind of spam it on people right next to them or anything. I'm trying. Seems to think, weird. Yeah, it does seem odd. I'm thinking of like PVE, like maybe in like boss fights where you have to move around a whole bunch. Like you could throw these down where people will end up being. I I don't know. I'm trying to really think of like situations really trying <laughs> really reaching yeah really reaching that's a weird one uh the devs say they want to give sorks more support options that don't include pets basically yeah okay that's really all i have to say about that it just seems weird the expert summoner passive this passive now increases your max health by 10 percent while you have uh, a summoned pet of any kind rather than 8% when you have a Daedric summoning ability active. So to get the max health now, you actually have to have a pet active, and it's 10% health now instead of 8%. It also increases your max magicka and stamina by 10% when you do not have a pet summoned. This one's really interesting. So if you do have a pet, you get max health. If you don't have a pet, you get max stamina and magicka. You get something either way. It's kind of neat. Grizzlycon said, I made it. Welcome, <laughs> Grizzlycon. Shout out, Grizzlycon. So that's pretty cool. This is a, a passive that currently you actually really have to be mindful of with your build. You have to, or you don't have to, but a, a lot of sorcerers really make an effort to make sure they have a, a Daedric summoning ability so that they can take advantage of this passive, get that uh, that 8% extra max health. What's nice now is you don't have to, you're, you're getting value no matter what, right? It's either max health or it's max stats, but no matter what you do, that passive is doing something for you. That's pretty nice. Oh, a quick uh, PSA on that. I saw someone say this on the forums, but um, the Atronach Ultimate, that's a pet. And so if you're if you're trying to not have pets so that you get the max resources and then you cast the Atronach, that flips that passive and you get the health instead of the the resources. So like in PvE, for example, that's going to be a DPS loss, actually. Something to think about there. That's interesting. Yeah. The Lightning Splash ability increases the radius of the base ability and its morphs by an additional two meters as they were significantly smaller than other similar abilities. So they increase the radius by two meters, which means that's a four meter total increase. That's a mass. That's actually going to be a really big area now. Yeah, that's going to be pretty significant. Yeah, it's going to be huge. Because it's two. if the radius is increased by two meters, that's going to be two meters on both sides of the circle. So that's four, four meters total. So that's it for Sorcerer's Sork. Okay, the Sork apocalypse be, is coming, guys. Well, they're okay. going to be, you remember like episodes, I don't know, 20, or 15 through 70 sorks were number one they're they're coming back they're coming back to that <laughs> yeah. spot it's gonna happen again uncle sam so all sorks and nightblades next patch that's what i'm hearing thank goodness yeah yes that is what it will be 
a lot of sorks, a lot of nightblades. We'll, we'll kind of, I'll try to do some meta predictions just, once we're just streaking and cloaking, yeah, cloaking, cloaking think, and streaking. I think we can definitely expect a lot of that, which is ironic because you know when most people streak, you wish they were cloaked. <laughs> is that true? <laughs> I meant in the real sense of of streaking. Oh, like they're not, they don't got no there clothes on. There you go. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's it for sorcerers. I'll have a little bit more to say about them a little bit later. Let's move on to Warden for now. The Glacial Presence passive, they reduce the potency by 50% uh, as the chilled status received a huge uh, damage increase. Uh, they say this is going to result in about a 6% damage increase. So even though they're nerfing this passive by 50%, it's still going to be doing 6% more damage because the chilled status was buffed. Uh, the Northern Storm ultimate increased the damage by 50%, and then activating the ultimate now grants 50 weapon and spell damage for 5 seconds each tick, uh, up to a maximum of 9 times. So that'd be 450 total weapon and spell damage. Uh, rather than just instantly giving you 300 weapon and spell damage. So you start with 50, and if you're con consistently doing damage over and over again, it's going to build up to a maximum of 450. Streaking and cloaking. Streaking and cloaking. That's the name, right? Streaking, Streaking and cloaking. and cloaking. Yep, that's the one. <laughs> and then the, the, the permafrost morph. They reduce the damage by 32% to make up for the, the chilled status buffs. Overall, this will result in an ever-so-slight damage increase of this morph, less than 1% damage increase. <laughs> that's what's going on with Warden. That's all the class changes under Undaunted, the Inner Fire. That's the, the Taunt ability. Uh, they made a few minor tweaks to the base ability, and then the, the inner beast morph, they increased the damage done of that morph by 80%. It's pretty significant. Yeah, that makes it equal to other ranged spammables. So it's basically a, a standard ranged spammable now that also taunts. And it's a ranged taunt. Like, there's, there's value in that. Yeah. Like that, uh, like last episode, I was talking about that Vanguard's challenge set that uh, reduces people's damage when you taunt them. You yeah. Know? That's, yep. You know, might be something there. This morph now applies minor vulnerability and minor maim to the target rather than uh, unique damage taken debuff. And then the inner rage morph now allows up to three allies to, to activate the synergy rather than causing it to be guaranteed since it's now always guaranteed. Okay, and that's right. That's one of the things they did to the base ability. Okay, charge status. It now increases chance to apply statuses by 235% instead of 365% to make up for the large increase in performance of most status effects this patch. Pretty significant, but I, I still think we're going to see more charged. I think we're going to see an increase in this, in this um, trait. And it's already, yeah. I feel like, pretty well used, but I think that's only going to go up. Oh yeah, charge is very widely used, and yeah, I think uh, the status potency is still going to be generally more than it currently is, but this will rein it in just a little bit. Uncle Sam says status effect meta for sure. Yeah, the statuses are going to be out of control. And then some set changes. Here we go. Stinging slashes, also Ooh. known as Master's Dual Wield. Everybody start cheering. This sets damage done bonus now scales 
off of the highest of your weapon or spell damage rather than offering a flat bonus based on the item level. Which was 1635 was the flat bonus, or is what it is currently. So instead of just being a flat 1635, it's going to depend on your stats like all, like all the other proc sets. Very nice. So that'll be good. Uh, the devs say this should significantly lower the pressure and kill potential of this set for tankier builds in PvP while retaining its potency for those who focus on damage over survivability. I think Sam was doing the math. I think if you're like in the ballpark of like 6,000 something weapon damage, then you're you're back at the, the potency that this thing offers before. 6,400 weapon damage is what Sam says. This is a good nerf. Like that's what I would say to this is it it still can be as effective as it's always been, but now it's yeah. not just throw this on, you know, a build that has no focus on damage and it do crazy damage. Like... It's yes. it's a great change. Like you've got to be a damage-focused character for this to be good. No more throwing this on a tank and then the tank is still a tank couldn't deal in crazy damage. Yeah, it it was too much free damage that you could put on someone who has zero damage investments whatsoever and you can still do a ton of damage with this thing. Now, yeah, if you want the same damage that it currently does, sweet, you can do that. You got to have some damage stats though yes. to do it. So great and then yeah, and that and then Grizzly says incentivizing squish. Yeah, exactly. And then in that case, you're going to be somewhat killable, actually, which will be nice. Yeah. And you're still get, you're going to be getting a lot of kills with this because it's, it's still very good. Yeah. So um, some other minor tweaks to some other sets, but I don't think any of those things are really going to be impactful. So we won't go over those. We will, let's talk a little bit about some meta predictions. I, I kind of added this today, Davia, so I'm springing Ooh, this on here. Here we go. You're throwing, <laughs> throwing me some curveballs. Uh, prediction number one, sorcerers. All of the sorcerers are mm. going to be everywhere. But I think there are a couple things that are going are to keep them in check. So if you're looking for ways to counter sorcerers. <laughs> They're called night blades. <laughs> <laughs> night blade, certainly. I think, okay, first way to counter sorcerers, if you can't beat them, join them. There you go. Yeah, that, that's, that's what a lot of our friends here are doing. They're getting their sorcerers geared up. They're seeing these juicy changes. They're getting excited. Hey, you know, I used to kind of avoid hype trains, but, you know, I learned not to be a fuddy-duddy. Hype trains are kind of fun. You it's know? fun it's to be on the train. Everybody's on yeah. it. You get to talk to a lot of people. There's yeah, exactly. Sorks are about to be buffed through the roof. Everyone's going to be going nuts with sorks, having a blast. Mm-hmm. Hey, get out there and have fun with them. Level up a sork. There we go. It's going to be awesome. Super duper fun class to play. Another, uh, if you don't want to join them and you really just want to straight up counter them, uh, Wardens with Crystallized Slab. Very good way to shut them down. Like Sam was saying, status builds. Status builds are already a very good way to counter sorks. They don't deal with like damage over time pressure very well. Yeah. Because they don't have a lot of healing over time. And status builds are about to be a lot stronger. So if you can get some some statuses and some dots on a sork, they're going to be struggling really hard. That's a good way to to close them down. Uh, gap closers as well. You got the DK chains, you got Templar's uh toppling charge, you have crit rush, you have mist form, you know, chase them down. <laughs> Yeah, don't don't let them streak away. You can you know you can build for it so that you don't have to let them get away. Absolutely, but you got to be careful. Don't drain your resources and get yourself in trouble. Going to be a lot of sorks. Going to be a lot of night blades. Night blades were nerfed, but they were also buffed. I think brawler blades are the the spec that are kind of being incentivized here. And 
they kind of had their time there for a while and I feel like the brawler blades have died down and you're seeing a lot more snipers and stuff lately. I think the brawler blades are about to make a comeback here pretty soon. There's yeah. some really nice stuff for the brawler blades. I'm excited about that. Oh yeah. Yeah, certainly. Brawler blades my favorite kind of night blade certainly. Yeah, it's going to be good. And then again the the status builds, they're going to be huge. You're you're uh going to want to be prepared for that. The damage over time is going to be really really nasty. Be a Templar is the way to to deal with that. Yeah. Or um the Alliance War support ability, the um uh purge ability, um mm-hmm. the the efficient purge morph is uh, about the same cost as the Templar cleanse. It's not outrageously expensive. It actually is usable if you can find the bar space for it. Uh, that'll help you out a lot. But that's that's why I like Templars so much because these particular builds I struggle against them and as a Templar, I don't even blink at them. No big deal. I don't know, it's kind of weird because it's like we're we're predicting there's going to be a bunch of sorks out there, but there's kind of other stuff in place that yeah. might actually keep them in check, you know. The one thing that I will throw out there that I think is going to be I don't want to say sneaky, but I think it's going to be right up there at the top of the meta is the Arcanist. I think that the they are reducing that passive that they have, but I think that I mean Arcanist is already great and they're still, you know, they're really popular right now. It's the new class, but I think that um I think Arcanist is really going to um, do some some pretty nasty stuff with that passive on top of these new status effect changes. You know, we're talking about a status effect meta, and Arcanist is the best class set up for status effects. So, yeah, I think we're gonna see. I think we're gonna see Arcanist right up there with the Sork and Nightblade. Sorks, Nightblades, status builds. Mm-hmm. Probably a few Arcanists. I think that's a pretty good prediction for for this meta coming up here. As far as what's been going on lately, I think most people are just kind of gearing up for this next patch, I think is really what's been going on. These patch notes have hit on PTS. A lot of people are mostly gearing up their sorcerers. Seems like what is mostly going on. Um, you know, we're, we're kind of playing BGs like we always do, but that seems to be kind of the, the focus of where everyone's mind is at. It's kind of funny, you know, like a patch lasts for like three months, but it's really like six weeks really. And then our minds are already in the next patch, you know, cause as soon as the PTS hits, we're already just in the future. Like yeah. these builds are trash, you know, yeah, we're, moving we're already on planning changes have to be made. I feel like you really gravitate towards the characters that you're like, this character is not going to change. I will play this one then. (laughs) Yeah, yes, exactly. (laughs) Got a couple of builds to talk about. We probably won't spend a lot of time on these because it's a a long enough episode as it is. But um, I'm going to talk a little bit about my Necromancer Despair. Mm -hmm. So her build, she's basically just using the standard kind of build setup that I always use. It's Wretched Back Bar with the Resto Staff. Gaze of Sithis, Mythic Helm, One Piece Magma, uh, and then the, the kind of new stuff added is uh, the Savara Scales set as a double bar set, and the Maelstrom Inferno staff on the front bar. So uh, my uh, my AoE, uh, she's basically an AoE spam build mm-hmm. is what she is. So uh, she uses Wall of Flame, Caltrops, she has the Skeletal Arcanist, uh, and Blastbone. So there is no spammable. She's just keeping all these AOE dots going basically all the time and just tossing Blastbones. But Blastbones is probably the closest thing to a spammable that she has. Yep. Uh, but the sp- the the play style is basically you just keep all the enemies standing inside of those AOEs with the, the Wall of Flame and the Caltrops. 
you keep your minions active and you keep your buffs active and that's basically all the bu- all, all the build is you heal people when they need it and that's kind of that we did a couple matches last night and the the damage disperse damage is it's really it's good, good damage very good damage um and good healing too uh, and especially considering that, you know, the blast bones doesn't even factor into that. So I was very impressed with some of the damage numbers you were doing. Yeah, the the damage is pretty darn good. So that, uh, you know, it basically is a dot build, right? We have the Caltrops, mm-hmm. you have the Wall of Flame, uh, Savara Scales applies a dot as well. Um, Necros have that 10%, you know, that passive that increases dots by 10%. The Flame Staff increases dots by 12%. And then uh, with this next patch, with that new blast bones, it's going to be another twenty percent added yep. to all those dots, and it's her her whole o- her whole offense is dots. So that's gonna that's actually going to be really good for her, um, and it's gonna and it's gonna simplify her rotation greatly as well. So I'm yeah. actually really looking forward to that. That is a good point. It's very perfect for her for her build because you're not trying to go in with a lot of burst. It's really just that AOE dots and it's only, it's only going to build on that and it will make it easier for you to keep all those dots up. So that, that is going to be a win-win. It's going to be great. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's basically, and I'm, I'm also going to be adding that uh disease glyph to the front bar to get that AOE minor to file. That's going to be really good too. Oh yeah. But it's, it's basically like a aggressive, uh, like an aggressive support build is what it is. You know, it's uh we heal when needed, but it's not necessarily a, a healer. Uh, we're just kind of dishing out all this AOE support to soften the enemies up to help our allies snatch up those kills, and then we're we're healing as needed in between that. Uh, like I was saying earlier, it's um it's a very busy, very very busy build. You're spending a lot of plates just keeping all the minions going and keeping the the AOEs on the ground and keeping your buffs active and keeping the hots active. I mean. You, it's it's kind of like doing a PVE DPS rotation. Honestly, is how I think of it. I'm kind of, I kind of gotta get this ball rolling, and then once I'm going, I'm I'm, un, I'm unstoppable, you know. But you kind of have to get in that mode where you're you're in that rotation, and and it, you just kind of build that momentum, and and then off you go. The healing abilities are resolving vigor, resistant flush, the spirit guardian, the resto ult. Pretty decent healing kit there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also using Necrotic Potency. Really, really oh, awesome ability. Love that skill. Love that skill. Yeah, that's the one that gr- drains corpses and uh, it heals you and it gives you ult for every corpse that you drain. I have every corpse generating thing that a Necromancer can have. So I'm just I'm draining those things constantly. It gives me a ton of ult. I always have a resto ult when I need it. Every single time, it's always there. So even though my healing power... It's not a ton. The fact that that Resto Ult is just always there every time has a ton of value there. I got Race Against Time, of course. I'm using the Jewels of Misrule for the food, Spell Power Potions. Uh, and I'm using Swift Jewelry. I switched away from Bloodthirsty, and I'm using Swift. And uh, that's actually a good thing. It helps my survivability quite a bit, uh, being able to move around. I'm not using Mistform or anything like that, so that that extra... Movement is a is a good thing, but if, if you want to use bloodthirsty, that's cool too. You'll get more like kind of accidental kills as these dot ticks are wearing people down. Either one's fine. But yeah, that's despair. That's her updated build. It's uh, it's basically the same despair that's always been, just with some kind of minor tweaks over yeah. time. Good damage, really good heals, whole lot of uh, assists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I had thirty four assists yes. in a game last night. <laughs> yes. 
It's fun. All right, that's it for despair. You have Thane of Pain, your Magswork. I haven't heard about heard about this guy in a long yeah, time. Yeah, he's been on the shelf for a while. You know, well, Thane of Pain. Uh, you know, I, you know, in the last episode we talked about. We really kind of did a a a deep dive on the Sam Sork. You talked about your kind of version of the Sam Sork. So I thought it was time to really update the one bar Sam Sork. Uh, yeah. You know, we're, we're talking all about Sork. Um, you know me, I, you know, I've, I've switched up when I talk about builds now, I'm just going to come straight out the build number one, Oaken soul ring. It's moved to the front of the line. Uh, <laughs> okay. the, the Oaken soul for the one bar build, uh, still the Kavach gladiator. Uh, and then kind of, um, piggybacking from your build, I actually have two piece engine guardian, um, and then three piece willpower with a bow. Uh, and then one piece trainee and, and major kudos to you. Um, as I was kind of working through the theory craft in this build, you were actually one that threw the bow idea my way. And it is, it is the perfect sauce to this build. Uncle Sam says that sounds super strong. <laughs> yeah, it, it seems pretty sure we played with it uh, some last night. It was doing really we, well. We did some theory. We did some testing last night and it, it is, it was running really well. The, uh, the bar setup. Um, for offense, a very simple, which is just perfect for an Oak and Soul build. Um, it's just Crystal Frags as the spammable, and then Mage's Wrath. Defensive utility, it does Resolving Vigor, and then it has the Twilight Matriarch for heals. Uh, and then just utility, I have Streak. Um, and then the ult is the Overload, Power Overload. And once again, that, that offensive combo, very simple. The Crystal Frag, the Mage's Wrath, and then it's an Oak and Soul Okansol build with the overload um and it's a nord so the 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 ult's always generating up and so overload crystal frag mage's wrath is a very effective offensive combo and you know once again the crystal frag for the spammable that's a that's a fantastic one bar spammable very resource effective uh, you always have the chance to get you know the the free cast out of it really high damage capability when it does proc and its potential combo uh, capability. And you kind of really pointed that out to me, but I was really seeing it last night is that, you know, when you throw it out there and then you instantly get the free one, you can throw a heavy hitting free cast right on top of that. Uh, and it kind of, you know, lets you add in a, another layer of, of combo damage. You have the overloads going at the same time. I mean, you, yeah. you have a lot of damage from just a very few abilities there. Exactly. Uh, and I really, really, the the survivability of this build's fantastic. The Engine Guardian, already with the, the sustain it's giving, and even the heal it gives is a great heal when it does health. Oh, yeah. And it's a body block. It also has the Matriarch, another body block, another great heal, you know, streak on any sorts, great mobility, and then having Vigor on the bar Along with those other things, it, the survivability on the build felt really, really good. But yeah, it just, just felt really good. A lot of sustain, a lot of movement, uh, and a lot of, you know, just that Sam Sork kill secure power. Sam's asking, are you going to switch to the shield instead of the bird next patch? No, I, I just kind of what I was saying. I think I'm going to stick with the bird. The, the, body, yep. the body block of the bird along with Engine Guardian, like I could, I could tell in the matches last night that it is it was annoying people you could just tell by some of the the people yeah. in the bg that they were getting annoyed with an engine guardian and the bird body block well and i was on my necker with my yes. minions running around yes too. we had yeah. we had a great time uh and it was a great combo i mean just like what you said the you know despair great support 
um, a lot of AOE pressure, and then combo that with this, you know, the the the, the Sork just kill secure. It was a nice combo. Yeah, they were they were a good pair. Yeah, they were they really well. really feeding off each other. Um, and then just kind of finish out the build. What a, you know what I do with most of the Okinso builds is uh, jewels of misrule for the food, bloodthirsty for the jewelry with spell damage or weapon damage glyphs. And it, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a really nice, the sustains at a good spot. Max stats are in a really good spot. And it just, it was fun. I had been on the Sork in a long, long time and it was fun just kind of being in that same, just that same spot where you just, when you've got the whole, everything lined up, you've got the ultimate, you just kind of pick a person and you're like, all right, I'm throwing the combo on you. And like, there's just not much you can do. It's gonna once yeah. that full combo goes on you, we're gonna that 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 mage's wrath is gonna blow up and finish you off. Oh yeah, and in big group fights, you don't even have to really worry about trying to land combos. Just mm-hmm. put mage's wrath on everyone. Just throw, throw just spam it on yeah, everybody. Throw mage's <laughs> wrath everywhere out there, and then just kind of start start picking and and uh, and throwing it out there. It's uh, yeah. yeah, it worked really well. So it's a, a very very fun one bar version of the Sam Sork. Very nice. I have my own kind of one-bar Sam Sork. Maybe I'll talk about it another time. If you want more Sork action, go back and listen to the last episode if you haven't already. We talked all about Uncle Sam's, the the actual legit Sam Sork. I also talked about my my Sork in the last episode as well. It's it's big Sork time, so if you're looking for ideas, you know, there's Davies' build right there, and like I said, last episode, last episode a couple more ideas there too. I also put a, a video on YouTube. If you search for Ket Sparrowhawk, you can see my Sork in action. If you want to get a get a visual there, Sam has changed his build for next Wait. patch. Well, it's Wait. not next patch yet, Sam. So it's still <laughs> still valid. It's <laughs> it's been you know the the sun has risen and fallen. That means that Sam has tinkered and changed the build a bit. Yeah, Sam never keeps the build longer than. 48 hours or you so. Knew, you, knew he was, you knew he was going to change it when he let you reveal it. That was, that was the first sign. Yeah, that's true. If he's, if he's letting me know what it is, that means he's, he's already like letting it go. <laughs> he's already moved he's on. He's already moving on to something better. All right, let's get into some emails. Scrollingpodcast at gmail.com is our email address. Uh, send us emails. They can be about ESO or not. It doesn't really matter as long as they're friendly. We'd love to hear from you. Every episode, we're going to give away uh, some gold to whichever email Davius picks out to be the winner. Uh, as, lo- as long as they're on PCNA or Xbox NA. If you're on the other platforms, we don't really have a way to help you out there. But this week, we're doing 300K to whoever D- Davius picks. If you're on Xbox, we can't guarantee the 300K. It's probably going to be a lot less than that if you happen to be the winner. But we'll get you something. <laughs> we'll get you something. The Xbox goons, we'll get you something. You know, there's a exchange rate and whatnot. Hey, shout out to the Xbox goons because they're they're uh, they're almost the size of the PC and A goons at this point. They are they're growing uh, rapidly over there. I'm pretty sure oh, the they, actual like in game <laughs> guild is more. Did I'm they outpace sure they us? More. They already surpassed us. Oh, jeez, they are. I'm almost certain those goons are booming. Those are some booming I'm goons. Not, <laughs> I'm not really good about getting people into the guild in the game. I, I like I recruit people for the Discord a lot, but uh, 
the, the guild not so much. We gotta get uh, we gotta get some PCNA goons to help get out with some some guild activities. We gotta get yeah, some listen, stuff going. We I'm gotta a, we gotta recruit. I'm a busy guy. We gotta recruit some guild council for the goons on PCNA. First email comes from Sudica. <laughs> Sudika says, hey, Kat, could you explain to listeners the spoken and unspoken differences between solo and group cues? This would help a lot uh, of new players get started. I literally queued in group BGs for months without finding out that solo cues are not one-on-one fights as the name sounds. I dared not queue solo to even find out. Unknowingly queuing into sweaty group cues can be traumatizing. That's really funny. I never thought Forge. of that, but the... Forged in the fire. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, so the solo, it makes sense. If you've ever played Rocket League, if you queue solo, mm-hmm. that's 1v1. That's yep. what that means. Yeah. So it's not that way in Battlegrounds. It's it's like as if you're queuing for a dungeon. You're going to be you know on a team of three other people there. So there you go, Sudika. Everyone knows now. Your message has been delivered. <laughs> Thanks for writing in. Next email comes from Jim. Jim's one of our uh, Stoons Boone supporters. Thanks for writing, Jim. He says, thanks for another great podcast. I really enjoy the mix of builds, upcoming or recent ESO changes, and non-game stories and background. The last few seconds are among the best. Here's a joke. How do we know the toothbrush was invented in Kentucky? Uh, the answer, any other location, it would have been named the teeth brush. <laughs> The teeth brush. Shots fired <laughs> for the Kentuckians. My grandfather Ken- was from Kentucky. Thank you very Ken- much. Is it Kentuckians? 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 Contusions. There's, there's got to be. Surely that's, there's a term there. So, okay. Thanks for the joke. Always love a joke. Jim says, looking forward to the next podcast. Take care. Jim sent from my iPhone. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, more jokes. Send in more jokes. Very good. Next email is from Hazel Eyes. Hazel Eyes on the PCNA server. So this is actually a Discord conversation and a reminder to people that these don't have to be emails. Any way that you can get a hold of us, you know, that's fine. Hazel Eyes says, hello. So I dusted off my Nightblade, audible eye roll. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, After talking with a buddy, I decided to go five-piece Shattered Fate along with two-piece Celestrix and five-piece Scavenging Demise. Great CC, decent damage, but I struggle with the retreat. Would love some feedback. All right, so Hazel is asking for some advice on just retreating and getting away, getting out of trouble mm-hmm. when playing on a, on a stealthy kind of gank blade kind of play style. I mean, we actually already talked about this on Discord, but I thought we could talk about it here yeah. as well. Uh, main thing you want, you need movement speed. If you're playing a stealthy mm-hmm. night blade, uh, we, we've talked about this before invisibility alone is not going to be enough, especially these days. There's a lot of night blades out there, which, which means everybody has anti-stealth in their builds. Everybody has mm-hmm. anti-stealth in their builds. So just turning invisible, they're just going to pull you right back out of invisibility. And that's your main defense that has been taken away from you now. So now what are you going to do? Uh, you got to have movement speed and it's best to use the movement speed first to, to put distance between you and and your enemy, and then turn invisible. Uh, that way you're out of range of their camo hunter or whatever they have, and you can actually be invisible and not be pulled out of stealth. 
And I mean, go extreme with it. Go three swift and like ring of the wild hunt and the, the steed Mundus, <laughs> you know, I mean, you can All go. Out. Yeah. Yeah. Uncle Sam in the in the Discord, he's saying speed, it's all speed. Yeah. You you watch him on his Nightblade, he freaking rips it up. And it's I mean, I'm pretty sure it's just like all damage speed. He, he wears like some offensive sets, but then everything else, it's like speed mundus, speed jewelry, wild hunt ring, everything. That way you never have to sprint. You never have to like leave stealth to move fast. Uh, and then when you when you do need to move fast, you're really, really fast. And that way. Even if people have detect pots, even if you know they're they're completely pulling you out of invisibility, you're still going to be hard to to catch. Sam says he doesn't like the steed moonus. He's telling me to tell people don't use the steed <laughs> moonus. I sometimes like the steed moonus, Sam. I'm sorry. <laughs> Deal with it, Sam. Sam loves the speed moonus. You heard it here on Scrolling Podcasts. <laughs> Uncle Sam highly endorses the steed moonus. He loves that thing. But no, just, yeah, invest heavily into movement speed. Make sure you have snare removal. Uh, Phantasmal Escape is an extremely good ability. It gives you major evasion. It gives you snare removal. It gives you free roll dodges. Uh, highly recommend getting that on the bar if you can. Helps a lot with survivability. That's the main thing. I just say you go you go in Nord Blade. No, no, uh, no cloak at all. No, no invisibility for the Nords. Just, just go full brawler. No retreat, no surrender. Yeah, then you just never have to run away. You just you're <laughs> always up there. You just you die with honor. That's, That's what right. you do. That's right. They'll sing, they'll put your name into songs. Thanks for writing in Hazel Eyes. Next email is from Chumpy. Chumpy says, Hello, scrolling podcast. Chumpy, Lord of Noobs here. Great title. That's great. I've been following you for uh I haven't been following you for long, but I really do love your pod. So much so that it took me 30 minutes of searching your episodes to get to the bottom of the Stoons Goons origin. And another 30 watching many sketches, many, I think he means SNL sketches, and still didn't find the exact reference. Maybe I need to continue. Anyway, love the pod. He says, you mentioned in the last episode, Free French Kisses, that you try, <laughs> that you try to educate the noobs while also keeping the conversation stimulating for the hardcore fans. That's fair enough. I really, really want to learn, though. I'm brand new. Basically, could you do one episode that just teaches everything for a noob to focus on? Sorry, not sorry for the lengthy email. You guys are awesome. Keep it up. Noobishly chumpy. Thanks, chumpy. Kind email. Thanks Very so much. Nice. Very nice email. And welcome to ESO. Says he's a noob. Yeah, so he's, he's requesting that we do an episode that's dedicated to... Um, Telling noobs everything they need to know about getting started in the game. Uh, I'll just go ahead and say, probably not going to do that, Chumpy. Uh, <laughs> but because uh, uh, it, would, it would actually be a very short episode because um, my advice, I think I think I probably had the best possible experience in this game. And I had I had I was completely bewildered and clueless when I played this when I was first starting this game. Had no one giving me any clue what to do, and I was just out there roaming the landscape, you know, just like wherever the wind takes me, uh, just exploring and questing. And as I stumbled upon interesting things along the way, I, if I was interested in that, I would explore it, and that would lead me somewhere. And eventually, I have a podcast, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, 
I think, yeah, I think I would try to just kind of get lost in it and not worry too much about knowing what you're doing. Uh, not knowing what you're doing is the fun part, and you're never going to get that first playthrough ever again. You only mm-hmm. get it one time. Mm-hmm. So just savor it. Let it last. You know, don't, don't try to rush through it. That's what I would say. Yeah, absolutely. If you're listening to me say all this and you're saying, Cat, I don't care, dude. I just want to play some BGs, okay? It's, it's that simple. I get that. <laughs> I would say you're just you're missing out on like the really the best thing about the game is that new player experience and the the questing and adventuring and that that gigantic map that's out there for to for you to explore. Go get lost out there for a while mm-hmm. and you'll 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 figure it out as you go, I promise. Anything else to add to that, Davius? I would just say that, you know, um hop in the Discord, ask potential questions, you know, share your current build. Um, the Discord's so good for for feedback on the build. You know, um, there's just simple things like if you're hopping in BGs and and you know don't get demoralized if things aren't going well. Like it could be as simple as like you're going into BGs with 25k health, and really in BGs you should really have 35k plus health, and that can make all the difference. Like that could just be a night and day difference. So you know if you're, you don't, don't get demoralized with things, but I 100% agree with what you said. Enjoy that new uh play to the game go out there get lost in it have fun with it you know find sets and builds that that you're having fun with that you think are cool and then if you're you know if you're struggling and you're trying to do bgs and you're getting a little demoralized uh reach out in the discord there's so many people and so many great players in the discord that can really give you kind of some great great helpful hints or you know feedback to to get you to at least see a little bit more success um MBGs. I think we've had, you know, over the over the podcast, we've had so many new players come in the Discord um and just, you know, ask questions and and the the community's been awesome and provide feedback and help them out. So many of those players are fantastic players now. It's it's really cool to see. So, yeah, if you need help with anything, just reach out. Yeah, and you know, if you just kind of jump into the deep end of the meta and just start trying to put together like the best builds right away you know when you're kind of at the end game and you're and you're playing on a competitive level there's like four builds that are good <laughs> you know so if you if you kind of rush to that you know if you if you take your time and enjoy the early game you actually get to enjoy all those other armor sets yep. <laughs> that are really fun and, and cool to use and interesting and that's really you know m- most armor sets are not actually usable on a competitive level but in, in those early stages, they are usable and they're really fun. Yeah, take your time with it. Number one thing there. Pick a favorite email, Davius. Who you got? This is a tough one. There was a lot of good emails. Um, yeah. A lot of fun. A lot of good emails. Very, very tough one for me. Uh, I'm going to go Jim, though. He told us a joke. Jim. Uh, he told the joke. Shout out, Jim. Told us a joke. Like to see it. Although I did very much like Chumpy diving into some of the uh the references for you know really diving into some scrolling lore some student schoons lore pretty great but uh he also did say that we're awesome so that's true too uh but i'm gonna go jim told us a joke great joke jim's jim's the winner is jim on i can't remember what platform jim's on but we'll get you your reward jim we'll get you something soon as possible scroll and podcast at gmail.com again is the email address please send us emails 
We have a guild. The guild's name is Stoons Goons. It is literally the best PvP guild in the game. Uh, and it also just so happens to be the best named guild on the PCNA server. And it's the official guild of the Scroll and Podcast. We're on PCNA and Xbox NA. If you'd like to join, scrollandpodcast at gmail.com and we'll get you in there. If you're on a different platform or if your guild list is full, that's okay. Just come join the Discord. Everyone on the Discord is a fully-fledged goon. In-game membership is not required. So scrollandpodcast at gmail.com if you want to join the guild or the Discord or both. If you'd like to support the show, uh, one easy thing you can do is go to the Apple Podcast app and give us a star rating uh, and especially a written review. Helps us out quite a bit. If you want to go further than that, you can go to patreon.com slash scrollandpodcast and sign up to receive Stoon's Boon for $3 a month. That gets you a number of things, including the Booncast, which is a shorter solo podcast that I do on the off weeks. Other ways you can help, uh, you can drop stuff in the Guild Bank. Shout out to Outlaw Red. Sent me a message this morning. He let me know he dropped some stuff in the Guild Bank, uh, uh, like I think like 17 kudos or something like that and a bunch of gold. That kind of stuff helps out so, so much. We're constantly making new builds all the time. We go through the crafting mats and the potions and the gold and all that stuff really, really fast. And that all translates to content here on the show. So if you want to help out the show, that's that's a great way to do it. And uh, just joining the community. Hang out with us on the Discord. Be our friends. Talk to us about ESO-related stuff, that all kind of ends up becoming content too. So that helps us out quite a bit, just being our friend. We got some shout-outs. Shout-out to Uncle Sam, Slavka, Nachu, Outlaw Red. We've been playing together a lot lately. Bunch of great people. Uh, Another shout-out to Red. Thanks for the donations to the Guild Bank, dude. Really appreciate it. Shout-out to the chat. We have Brock, Grizzly Khan, KDMS, Ricky Bass. Didn't see you come in. Welcome, dude. Uh, And Uncle Sam. Thank you all for being here. I don't know the name, but I, I just I'm putting a special shout out to that dude that went fifteen and fifteen and twenty in a battleground. I just Man. yeah, I love to see dude was I love busy. To see. He was all <laughs> over the place. That dude just was just hustling. <laughs> I uh, mean, that's the best. That's the best kills count I've ever seen. That, Man, that dude just... was out there. Just didn't give a crap. He was getting it done. That dude right? was involved in everything. All right. He got the <laughs> most out of that BG. The most 15, out of it. Yeah. 15 and 20. If wow. he's going down, he's taking you yeah. with him, dang it. Man, he was just freaking going nuts. <laughs> <laughs> Uncle Sam is right. That guy, he is in the songs. They did put that guy's name in the songs for sure. That guy's got songs about him. Definitely. I got to be more like that guy. I'm always playing so carefully. Like if I die once, I'm like, dang it, this match is a, is ruined. <laughs> I've over. died one time. It's over. Know? I need to be more like this guy, oh, like freaking man. yellow. Man. Yeah. Going for it. Uh, shout out to the elder goons, the OGs. Thank you guys for being around for so long and for being our friends. We really appreciate it. And shout out to our students, boon recipients, our Patreon supporters, Porkbody, Toadster, Gummy Bear, Grizzly Khan, Thomas, Taggard, Mother of Dragons, Sudica, Jim, <laughs> Maxwell, Derpin Stuff, Duddagon, Brewer Man, and Brock, who is here in the chat right now. So thank you guys so very much. Really appreciate it. I think we have finally reached the end of this podcast. Yeah. Just over two hours. It's a long one. But good I stuff. Know it would be. 
Good stuff. New PTS coming up. Exciting stuff. Exciting sets. Exciting changes. This is one of the more exciting, like, first quarter DLCs we've had in a while. You know, some really, like, impactful things about to happen yeah. here. Yeah. Really excited about it. Anything else before we go, Davius? I don't think so. I think that's it. All right. Thank you guys very much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Gentlemen drink Jaeger, okay? Everyone knows that. <laughs> and also also anybody that uh, started drinking between 1998 and, and, and 2008. Yeah, Jaegermeister <laughs> was required. In that, in that decade. Yeah, there's something, it was like a, it was something about like young boys, yeah. I feel, or young men. It was like a rite of passage. Like, yeah. we didn't like it. No, no, of course we didn't like it. No, it didn't But you had to good. drink it. You'd go over and be like, what do you got? And it's like, well, I've got some Jaeger. It's like, well, yeah, of course you do. This makes sense. Well, we're men, aren't we? Yeah. Pour the Jaeger. We can do it. (laughs) We're just some weird, like, I don't know. We're trying to prove something. Like, we we did not like it, but we convinced ourselves that we did. Nobody actually likes it. Yeah, surely not. The chain on my toilet handle broke. Oh, it's fixed now, but I didn't have it for a few days there. And I was having to like reach inside the tank to flush <laughs> my toilet every time. feels so good to have it fixed. You, you know, it's like the little things you take for just, granted. Just talk about a, <laughs> you know, talk about a quality of life update right there. <laughs> yeah. Tell you what. It's only a couple of days. That, uh, it just, I don't know. I just never got around to going and finding a new chain. I finally did. You know, just the simple things in life. Like, yeah. Well, it gets to the point where you start doing like negotiations, like I don't have to flush this time, you know, <laughs> probably go a couple more times before I really have to. <laughs> things, things are really spiraling. <laughs> we got to get that chain. We, we got to get, get that chain. That's got to happen. <laughs>